Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most, because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D. Today, I'll be covering the case of Kylan Schulte and Crystal Turner in Moab, Utah. Let's get right to it. The town of Moab, Utah is surrounded by thousands of miles of rugged and breathtaking wilderness. It seems if you turn in any direction, you'll be greeted by another gorgeous view of the Red Rock Wonderland. Visitors from all over the world flock to Moab's national parks, whether it's the Arches National Park or the Canyonlands. But if the Red Rocks and desert scene aren't your thing, there's also forests and rivers right around the corner. If you can imagine an outdoor activity, you can find somewhere to do it in Moab. From horseback riding to mountain biking, hiking, rafting, off-roading, climbing, taking a scenic flight, Moab quite literally has it all and then some. So it's no surprise that's where Kylan Schulte and Crystal Turner's story begins. Both free spirits with a love for nature, according to Kylan's dad, Sean Paul Schulte, As he spoke to Marie Claire, the pair met on the Faux Falls hiking trail, which is just outside of Moab, in 2016, while he and Kylan were on a hike together. It wasn't long before they both got jobs at the local La Quinta Inn and Suites. While neither of them were from Utah, Crystal was born in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and Kylan's family was from Billings, Montana, they seemed to thrive in Moab. Both women had experienced past trauma, including drug addiction, sexual violence, and the loss of very close family members. It appears they started out as just close friends, but their relationship soon developed into something more, and by 2019, they were a couple. Both of the girls happier than they had ever been, as Sean Paul recalled to the outlet, stating, It was love. It was sparks. It was pure light that shined out of those two girls. Their love for one another only grew, and they decided to make things official on April 20th, 2021. The ceremony was held in a treehouse in Arkansas, as every bohemian flower child princess wedding should be, and Kylan and Crystal practically glowed with happiness. After the wedding, the pair made their way back to Moab. Kylan was working at the Moonflower Community Cooperative, which was a natural food grocery store, and Crystal had a job at McDonald's. Crystal and Kylan were unique. Kylan, with her love for all things holistic, butterflies, her bunny Ruth, and sunflowers, with her long brown hair twisted into locks. And Crystal, with a passion for her Harley Davidson and steak dinners who often wore a bandana, pushing her blonde hair back to her shoulders, revealing baby blue eyes. They were different in so many ways, different from societal norms and different from each other. But together, they just made sense. And they did have one thing in common, 
both shared a passion for the outdoors. In 2021, they were living the van life, taking advantage of all the natural beauty Utah had to offer. They camped for a while in one spot in their 1987 Econoline van and then find a new spot. According again to that article in Marie Claire, in the summer of 2021, the average temperature in Moab was stuck at about 100 degrees. So Crystal and Kylan moved out roughly 45 minutes away from Moab and set up a campsite in the LaSalle Mountains because it was much cooler. You see, Crystal and Kylan's van had broken down and needed some repair work. According to ABC4, the girls had left the van in the McDonald's parking lot in Moab and driven their silver Kia Sorento out to the spot in LaSalle. There, they had set up tents and a shelter for Kylan's bunny Ruth. And from the looks of their setup, it appeared the girls had planned to remain in that area for some time. They could have never imagined the horror that would unfold over the next several days. According to a press conference held by the Grand County Sheriff's Office, in the early morning hours of August 12, 2021, Kylan and Crystal both came down from their campsite and worked their normal shifts at their respective jobs. After work, the girls took showers at a local spot and headed back home. After they got back to their campsite that evening, they noticed a creepy camper lingering around. Kylan and Crystal would later tell friends that when they first pulled up to their campsite, this man that they referred to as the creepy camper had actually howled at them. This dude literally howled, like a dog or a wolf or coyote, take your pick. Crystal, not one to take any shit, howled right back at him, and the girls went about their business. They took note of how close this creep decided to set up his camp next to theirs. This was vast wilderness. He could have set up anywhere, but he chose to set up very close to their already established camp. And further, as Crystal and Kylan were relaxing in their hammock together, the creepy camper seemed to be lurking around their campground and their fire pit. The girls would tell their friends that he was a bearded man with no shirt. And while there was no heated confrontation, his behavior was enough to kind of creep them out. The following day, on August 13th, the creepy man left the campground, and Crystal and Kylan breathed a sigh of relief, at least for a moment. But just as the two were getting ready to leave for a get-together with friends, he was back, this time unloading groceries out of his trunk. Did this mean he was planning to stay a while? The girls left just before 6 p.m., heading into Moab for that meetup with friends. At around 7.10 p.m., Crystal and Kylan arrived at Woody's Tavern. Woody's is a local bar that Crystal and Kylan were familiar with. It's a fun spot with live music and a laid-back atmosphere. According to employees of the bar and the two friends the girls met up with, everyone had a good time. The girls seemed relaxed and their attention was focused on each other and their two friends. Crystal and Kylan did mention their limited interactions with the creepy camper man from earlier in the day. As the four women left Woody's around 8.45 p.m., Kylan and Crystal commented to their friends that if they didn't show up to work, someone should come looking for them. But it didn't appear that they were really concerned. The comment was made in more of a joking manner. Kylan and Crystal left the bar and went to a friend's house to hang out. They got there at around 9 o'clock. 
and at some point the women went for a drive with their friend. Again, they brought up the creepy camper guy, and from some reports, it sounds like they had plans to move their campsite, but they had to go back to get their things, and most importantly, Ruth the bunny. It's possible the more they thought about creepy camper guy, the more it caused concern. They wrapped up their visit at 12.30 and headed back to the campground. Little did anyone know at the time, but this was the last time Crystal and Kylan would be seen or heard from again. As we know, it was a 45-minute drive from Moab, so the girls would have made it back to their site at roughly 1.15ish in the morning. They had both worked a full shift, went out with their friends, so by the time they arrived back at the campsite, they were likely tired and it probably didn't take long for them to fall asleep. The day of August 14th came and went, but nobody heard from the girls. They weren't scheduled to work that day, and of course they had just been out with friends earlier that morning, so no one thought anything of it. The following day was Sunday, August 15th, and Crystal was scheduled to work at McDonald's that day, starting at 5.30 a.m., but she didn't make it into work. That wasn't like her, so her coworker reached out to her on Facebook, thinking maybe she had overslept, but Crystal didn't respond. And that would have been a huge red flag, had it not been for the fact that Crystal had told her employer that her and Kylan wanted to get back into church, and she was going to need Sundays off. So maybe it was just a mix-up and Crystal assumed the schedule had already been changed. Both Crystal and Kylan's phones worked off of Wi-Fi, so if they were still out at the campsite, they wouldn't have had any service and wouldn't have been able to receive or send messages. So the first day passed and no major alarm bells rang. There would be no doubt that something was wrong the next day, however, when again, Crystal didn't show up for work. And not only that, but Kylan didn't make it to her shift at the Moonflower Cooperative either. Co-workers of both girls reached out to them over Facebook, but neither woman responded. By the afternoon, a co-worker of Crystal spoke to her manager at McDonald's, and they decided it was time to report the women missing. So at 2.03 p.m. on August 16, 2021, they called Moab police and did just that. The hours ticked on and their families were contacted. Remember, neither Crystal or Kylan's family live locally, and they hadn't heard from the girls either. Word began to get around Moab that the women were missing, and people started keeping their eyes open for any sign. Crystal and Kylan were well known to the local people in the community, and everyone loved them. I don't think there's a person in the entire town of Moab who didn't describe them as rays of sunshine and beautiful, kind souls. By the next day, Kylan's father, Sean Paul, made a plea on Facebook stating, Moab peeps, Kylan and Crystal are missing. They must be in the silver Kia van because the black van and Harley are at McD's. Please help look for my girls or their Kia. Haven't been to work, haven't called, not in hospital, not in Moab jail. Police have an attempt to locate out. Just as quickly as word spread that the girls were missing, so did the fact that just before they had gone missing, they had told friends about the creepy weirdo camping near them and that they planned to move campsites because of it. 
with the pleas from the girls' families, Moab residents were on high alert, looking for any clue that might lead them to the girls' location. One of those residents was 64-year-old Cindy Hunter, who later spoke to ABC4 News and detailed her account of the search to the news station and on Facebook. Cindy had met Kylan and Sean Paul back in 2016 when they stopped in her art gallery in Moab. When she learned that the girls were missing, she packed up her three dogs and went out to search on the morning of August 18th at around 7 a.m. She went to McDonald's first to see if there had been any updates. Unfortunately, there hadn't been. But friends did know that Kylan and Crystal had been camping in LaSalle, but didn't know the exact location, and this is a huge area. But that didn't stop Cindy. For hours, she drove with photos of the girls, asking anyone she came into contact with if they had seen them, also stopping to check cliffs, ravines, and any steep drop-offs. While on Geyser Pass Road, Sean Paul called her and told her about the creepy camper the girls had told their friends about. Cindy, much like Kylan and Crystal, was a free spirit herself, who believed in the supernatural. As she continued to drive, she began talking to her mom, who had passed away earlier in the year, asking for help to find the girls. And after that call with Sean Paul, she began asking the girls themselves to help her find them. She was just about to turn on Warner Lake, an area that had been searched by police, when she felt and heard that she needed to go straight and she needed to hurry. So she did. As she continued forward, passing Whispering Oaks, she saw a flash of silver on the left. She stopped and backed up. She had found a campsite. Cindy intended to talk to the people at the site and see if they had seen Crystal and Kylan. But as she made her way closer, she realized that flash of silver was the sun reflecting off of a Kia parked at the site. She knew the girls had a Kia, but didn't know the exact model or color. And then she spotted the small animal enclosure. It was then that she suspected she had found the girls' campsite. Cindy walked over to the Kia and peered inside the windows, careful not to touch anything. Inside, she saw hay and bunny food. She peeked inside the tent and noticed that things seemed off. The tent door was flapping open, a cell phone was on its side facing the bed, and a red blanket was partly on the bed and on the ground. She didn't want to disturb anything, so she turned her attention to the pet enclosure. The bunny was there with no food or water. There was no way in hell Kylan or Crystal would have left Ruth without food or water. It was obvious that something was very wrong. Everything in Cindy wanted to scoop the bunny up and get her everything she needed. But with no sign of Kylan or Crystal, she didn't want to disturb the scene. Cindy Hunter called the police and told them she had found the girls' campsite. They pinged her location and told her they were on the way. She then called Sean Paul to tell him what she had found. He suggested that the girls may have gone hiking, so Cindy looked around. She noticed a flat area and walked past the Kia in that direction. Maybe they had gone for a walk. 
With Sean Paul still on the phone, she went down a little ways and noticed a stream. A cluster of sports drink bottles caught her eye. And as she looked to the left, she froze as she saw a body in the water. Her mind couldn't process what her eyes were seeing. She turned away and began mumbling. She didn't want it to be true. According to Cindy, she forced herself to look again, hoping she was wrong and her brain was playing tricks on her. But it wasn't. There in the water was the body of Kylan Schulte. Cindy had to tell Sean Paul that his beautiful girl was gone. Sean Paul screamed in pain and anguish, a sound that only comes from the breaking of a heart and the crushing of a soul, a sound that Cindy Hunter will never forget. Kylan had been found, but where was Crystal? The heartbroken dad asked Cindy if she could see her, but she couldn't. The realization began to set in that both girls were gone. Kylan for sure, but likely Crystal as well, because neither of the girls would have willingly left the other's side. For Sean Paul, he hadn't just lost one daughter, but two. You see, Crystal wasn't just his daughter's wife. Sean Paul loved them both. They were his girls. Tragically, this wasn't the first time he had lost a child either. According to the Great Falls Tribune, Kylan's brother, Mackeon Schulte, who went by Mac or Mackie, was killed on May 17, 2015, in a prank gone wrong. At 2.30 a.m., 15-year-old Mac and a friend went to another 17-year-old friend's house. They decided to play a joke on the boy, and Mac knocked on his bedroom window. When the boy didn't open the window or say anything, Mac grabbed a cinder block from nearby and stood on it to peek inside the window. The boy shot him through the window almost instantly. A special grand jury convened for an inquest into the shooting death and found that the shooter committed justifiable homicide because at the time the 17-year-old fired the shot, he thought Mac was an intruder. He didn't realize it was his friends playing a joke. It appears Mac's family never wanted the boy charged in their son's death. And in a display of forgiveness that many wouldn't be capable of, Sean Paul himself had hugged the boy at his son's funeral. Sean Paul had already buried a teenage son, and now he'd be laying his daughter and likely her wife to rest. At the girls' campsite, Cindy Hunter quickly glanced around but didn't see Crystal. After Cindy told him that she didn't see her and offered to go look, Sean Paul told her to get back in the car, roll up her windows, and leave, because it was possible that whoever had killed Kylan could still be in the area. So Cindy got back in the car, but she couldn't just leave. She placed another call to police and told them she had found Kylan's body. It took quite a while for police to arrive, according to Cindy, over an hour. But once they got there, Cindy took them down to Kylan's body. She was asked if she knew where Crystal was. She told them that she sensed she was upstream and gestured in that direction. A few moments later, an officer walked out from that area, and judging from his body language and the look on his face, it was clear to Cindy that Crystal had also been found. 
Cindy Hunter believes that she was led to the location of the bodies by the girls themselves, saying that if she wouldn't have listened, she would have never found them. Investigators briefly questioned her and took prints of her tires and shoes. Eventually, she was released from the scene and detectives got to work. They collected evidence, including the girl's tent and personal belongings, the Kia, shell casings, bullet fragments, and blood evidence. But there wasn't much to go on because, unfortunately, heavy rains in the area had washed away evidence at the scene. But it was obvious that the girls had been murdered. Both of their bodies were partially clothed when they had been found, indicating that it was possible they had been victims of a sexual assault. That would soon be ruled out by the state medical examiner when the postmortem exams were complete. The autopsies showed that both women had been shot multiple times and neither of them showed signs of having been sexually assaulted. And further, after close examination of the bullet fragments recovered, it was determined that the type of ammunition used in Kylan and Crystal's murder was very specific. The fragments of the rounds were Hornady critical defense rounds, which are a distinctive type of hollow point bullet. A hollow point bullet is designed to expand on impact and do as much damage as possible without overpenetration or going beyond the target or ricocheting and hitting a bystander. This makes the ammunition popular for law enforcement and civilian home defense. But according to the press conference, it's not frequently seen in homicide cases. And this particular brand of rounds have a red tip. According to Hornady, that red elastomer tip eliminates the clogging and inconsistent expansion and penetration that is often found with other hollow point bullets. And that red tip also distinguishes a Hornady round from most other brands on the market. The state crime lab was also able to determine that they were 9mm and likely fired from either a Glock 17 or a Glock 19. Maybe this would give police something to go on. Because other than the fact that there was a creepy man lurking around the girls' campsite, they really didn't have much. With a killer still on the loose, Sean Paul decided that he couldn't just sit around and wait for answers. Weeks after the double murder, he set up what he called a clue booth at Swanee Park in Moab. For hours, the grieving father sat at a picnic table displaying Kylan's hand-painted rocks and a few sentimental items to include a small floral arrangement of sunflowers and roses to represent both women. The sunflowers were for Kylan. They were her favorite. And Crystal loved roses. For weeks, Sean Paul listened to anyone who came to give him information, hoping that the right tip would come in, one that he could give to investigators that would lead them to the monster who had murdered his girls. And tips did come in. In September, Sean Paul spoke to WILX News and stated, over two weeks, I probably got 30 or 35 clues. And you know, maybe only four or five of them were not really good clues. He went on to say, 
I want everyone. I want the hikers, the bikers, the jeepers. I want everyone to think and double check your dash cam. And remember, the girls were missing on the 13th of August and found on the 18th of August. So let's focus on the mountain during those times. As Sean Paul manned his clue booth and investigators continued to follow up on leads, another young woman who lived the van life was reported missing, and her story spread like wildfire. Gabby Petito was reported missing on September 11, 2021, just under a month after the murders of Crystal and Kylan. Her story gained international attention. Many began to link the two cases, especially in mid-September after Moab police released the now infamous footage of the domestic violence incident between Brian Laundrie and Gabby Petito that occurred on August 12th. As it turned out, the argument that sparked the phone call began near the Moonflower Cooperative grocery store that Kylan worked at, and Kylan and Crystal had last been seen that following day on August 13th. On the surface, it did seem kind of suspicious. However, employees at Moonflower spoke out to KTVL News 10 and revealed that no one from their store had reported the argument between Brian and Gabby. And further, Kylan wasn't at the store when the altercation had occurred. Not long after the theory surfaced, it was quickly ruled out by investigators at the Grand County Sheriff's Office and it was announced that there was no link between the cases. Police hadn't revealed all they knew to the public about Kylan and Crystal's murders yet, which was how they were unequivocally able to discredit the idea that the human trash that was Brian Laundrie had any involvement in this murder. You see, police had already narrowed down the time of the murders down to the exact moment it had happened and Brian Laundrie was hours away from Moab, Utah, when the girls were murdered. But since that detail wasn't revealed to the public, for good reason, don't get me wrong, the speculation that the two cases were connected continued to run rampant online. Investigators kept on tracking down leads and following up on tips they received, as well as tips given to Sean Paul. There were hundreds of them, and each one had to be checked out. That led to numerous interviews, and according to that press conference, 44 search warrants. Investigators looked into everyone connected to the girls, including Cindy Hunter. And according to Cindy, it was more than that initial interview with police at the scene. At one point, Cindy was considered a suspect, which devastated her. Cindy spoke to ABC4 News and stated, they said I was a suspect, those were their words, and we're here to take your phone. At some point, Cindy Hunter was crossed off the suspect list, a fact that she claims police failed to notify her of. Other theories were ruled out as well, to include a prior stalker, financial conflicts, family problems, and the list goes on. But there were two theories that couldn't be ruled out. One was Creepy Camper and the other centered around a confrontation between Crystal and a now-former employee at McDonald's. And I say confrontation for lack of better words, because while this man was upset with Crystal, at no point is it believed she actually engaged 
in any kind of altercation with him. Just before the women had been murdered, in early August, he was working at the same McDonald's Crystal worked at. They had opposite shifts and weren't frequently at the restaurant at the same time. But this guy had threatened others at the McDonald's between August 7th and 8th. In one incident, he became enraged at the night manager simply because she had asked him to work faster. He got in her face and made derogatory comments about her sexuality. The manager, like Kylan and Crystal, was a member of the LGBTQ community. After screaming in her face, the man then began pacing around the store, punching his hand and telling another co-worker he should, quote, take her outside and kick her ass. That night manager felt so threatened she left, and another manager came in to take her place. But the man wouldn't calm down. He was just as threatening to the second manager and had to be told to leave. In another instance, Crystal had stopped by the restaurant with Kylan when she was not scheduled to work to make them some sandwiches. This was something that was common for many of the employees. Crystal went behind the counter to start making the food, and as she did, she called out to Kylan, referring to her as baby. This seemed to upset the man. He asked another coworker if she, referring to Crystal, was allowed to do that. This employee disclosed to police that it was obvious he was more upset that the two girls were in a relationship rather than the fact that Crystal had hopped behind the counter to make food. But Crystal and Kylan? They didn't give a rat's ass. They got their sandwiches and went on about their business. This man's name was Adam Pinkowitz, and he had been on the person of interest list for investigators since the very beginning. As it turned out, after the murders, he had never went back to McDonald's to work, and further, he had a paycheck still there waiting for him that he hadn't picked up. Investigators tried to get in touch with Pinkowitz, but he had ignored their calls. He, too, lived the van life and at times would go off the grid. Time ticked on and it seemed there was no progression on the case. Two months passed and the families of these girls just wanted answers. That's when Jason Jensen entered the picture. Jason is a private investigator and co-founder of the Utah Cold Case Coalition. Jensen volunteered to help Sean Paul track down the leads he had gotten from his clue booth. I mean, Sean Paul had turned them over to investigators, but a second pair of eyes never hurts. They, too, had developed a short list of suspects, and Adam Pinkowitz's name was on it. Jensen spoke out to Marie Claire about just how violent the crime had been, stating it appears the gun was emptied on them, which indicates deep anger, a lot of hate. A hate crime is definitely a motive that's on the table. As fall turned into winter and winter into spring, the case seemed to hit another standstill. It was unnerving for everyone, but especially those in Moab, because whoever had done this was still out there. In early May, when things had gone quiet for too long, Sean Paul again sprung into action, placing a 28-foot billboard along Highway 191 with photos of the girls and the words, Who Killed Kylan and Crystal? offering a $20,000 reward for information. 
Sean Paul had also reached out to Dog the Bounty Hunter multiple times, and Dog finally took up the girl's case. The Bounty Hunter rolled into town with an entire team and spent a week in Moab. His presence generated over 1,000 tips. And on May 10, 2022, Dog held a press conference announcing the number of tips they'd received and stating that the murderer knew the girls and that the crime was one of love or hate. And love or hate Dog, his presence generates media attention. With all eyes on Moab, the following day, the Grand County Sheriff's Office held a press conference of their own, announcing that they had identified a suspect. The suspect? Adam Pinkowitz, the former McDonald's employee. Sheriff White described Pinkowitz as a drifter and former co-worker of Crystal's with a criminal record and a history of mental illness and homophobia. Through their investigation, they had been able to place him in LaSalle at the time of the murders. He had since fled the state, of course never going back for that final paycheck. But that wasn't all. Adam Pinkowitz had confessed to the murders, providing details that were only known to investigators. His confession wasn't to law enforcement, but rather to what the sheriff referred to as another party. So why wasn't he in custody? Because he was dead. Shortly after his confession, Pinkowitz had committed suicide. It was revealed at a later press conference that Adam Pinkaswitz had committed suicide on September 24, 2021, just a month after the girls' murders. He had shot himself in a hotel in Waterloo, Iowa, with a 357 Magnum revolver, loaded with Hornady critical defense rounds, the same unique brand of ammunition used in the murders. The sheriff announced that the investigation was still ongoing and that GCSO was still processing critical and newly discovered evidence in the case, including Adam Pinkowitz's vehicle that had just been located and seized. Investigators were looking for any information regarding Pinkowitz or his vehicle, which was a black 2007 Toyota Yaris. A flyer was released to the public with all the details discussed at the press conference, as well as photos of Adam Pinkaswitz and his vehicle. Many in Moab, including Sean Paul, were relieved. This monster couldn't hurt anyone anymore. But not everyone was convinced, most notably Dog the Bounty Hunter, who said in late May, I'm skeptical that the sheriff has got the right guy. Why was he skeptical? While Dog was in Moab, he had learned that Pinkaswitz was openly gay. If that was true, then the hate crime motive wouldn't make sense. And what about that creepy camper? That seemed to be the strongest lead. Kylan's father thought it was possible the creepy camper and Adam Pinkaswitz were one and the same. And Sean Paul was right. On December 29, 2022, the Grand County Sheriff's Office held another press conference, announcing that Kylan and Crystal's case was closed. Adam Pinkaswitz was the murderer, and if he had been alive, he would have been arrested back in May. They walked the public through the evidence they had on Pinkaswitz. Let's start with why Crystal and Kylan 
didn't recognize the creepy camper as Pinkaswitz, because surely if they had, they would have told their friends at Woody's that it was him. When that altercation took place at McDonald's, not only had Crystal never engaged with him, Pinkaswitz was also wearing a mask due to COVID protocol. And as we know, the two never worked the same shift and they weren't familiar with one another. Crystal just simply didn't recognize him. Adam Pinkaswitch did match the description of the creepy camper. He had a beard and, well, he was creepy. Police were able to track his movements, which placed him in the area of Moab at the time of the murders. Records indicated that on August 13th, after the girls reported creepy camper had left the site, Pinkaswitz showered at around 9.30 a.m. at a local business. While he was there, he inquired about getting a refund on the year-long pass he had purchased for showers. And again, he called that same business around 1 that afternoon, inquiring about the refund again. Roughly an hour later, he sent an email to his family and friends that read, Goodbye, brother. From there, he purchased roughly $50 worth of groceries and 25 bucks in gas. At 2.34 p.m., his black Yaris was spotted on surveillance, driving towards the campsite. He would have arrived back before Crystal and Kylan had left to go out that night, and he had groceries, just as the girls had said. Crystal and Kylan returned to their campsite in the early morning hours of August 14th. Investigators aren't sure what transpired in the moments leading up to the girls' murders. But what they are sure of is that the girls were killed at 11.48 a.m. on that August 14th day because surveillance video from the nearby Whispering Oaks Ranch captured screams and shots being fired. At 12.54 p.m., the Toyota Yaris is seen leaving the direction of the campsite. At 1.32 p.m., Pinkaswitz showered at a local business and he went on to purchase some more gas and groceries. On August 16th, he was still in Moab, but it seems he was looking for a way out. He logged onto Wi-Fi, which is how his phone operated, from a place in Moab and began searching businesses near Telluride, Colorado, also making a note in his phone about Mill Creek Camping, a site that is just outside Telluride. On August 18th, Pinkaswitz got a text about a job in Moab, but two days later turned it down, stating he had found another job, which was a lie. Over the next several days, his phone activity looked like he was planning on heading to Colorado, but that changed on August 24th when he contacted his on-again, off-again boyfriend in Waterloo. Yes, it was true. Pinkaswitz was an openly gay man. The comments he made towards his manager and the contempt he showed toward Crystal because of Kylan made a whole lot less sense. But it gets even stranger when we get down to some of the ramblings in his phone. We're headed there, I promise. Anyhow, on August 24, 2021, Pinkaswitz texted the significant other and asked if he could come stay with him. Later that evening, they talked more about him coming to Waterloo, Iowa. Pinkaswitz arrived in Waterloo on August 27th, and on September 3rd, he checked into a local motel. His family paid his stay for a week. After that, it sounds like the significant other was the one footing the bill. And that was frustrating him. 
Pinkaswitz hadn't found a job in Waterloo, and the days were ticking by. When his partner asked him to get a job and help him pay for the room, Pinkaswitz confessed to murder. He told him he couldn't get a job because he had just murdered two women in Utah. He then went on to give him details about the case. Pinkaswitz told him that he had shot the two women inside the tent because one of them was, quote, bossy when he was working. This was the detail investigators had held close to the vest all this time. They knew that the women had been ambushed and shot inside their tent. Their bodies moved after they were deceased. And they were the only ones, besides the killer, who knew that. The media reported only where their bodies had been found. This gave a lot of credibility to this confession. Pinkaswitz went on to tell him that after the murders, he had thrown the gun somewhere but didn't remember where. Of course, this freaked the guy out. His partner had just confessed to a double homicide, so he grabbed his phone and tried looking up the case. But Pinkaswitz snatched the phone from him. He was too scared to come forward, afraid of what he might do to him. But after that confession, he distanced himself from Pinkaswitz. And by September 17th, he had completely cut off all communication and stopped responding to his messages. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. On September 18th, Pinkaswitz sent another goodbye message to his family and asked to see his partner one more time. But of course, that didn't happen. A few days later, on September 24th, Pinkaswitz committed suicide inside his Waterloo Hotel. The partner was never informed of his death. And the very moment investigators made contact with them, he said he knew why they were there and told them everything. Utah investigators had their man, but they wanted to secure as much evidence as they could, so they seized the car and all of his personal property. The Yaris had been impounded after the suicide, and photos had been taken, however, it had exchanged hands several times after, and any evidence would have been contaminated. Waterloo police turned over what they had, as well as Pinkaswit's family. What they found was very disturbing. Pinkaswitz had left a suicide note. 
in it, he talked about his significant other and made reference to being terminated from a job by, quote, lefty liberal bosses for not being fast enough. There was paperwork found in the car from a 2019 gun purchase of a Glock 19 9mm, as well as Hornady ammunition. This was likely the gun and ammunition used in the murder. It was never found. More digital evidence was recovered from his cell phone. And what wasn't there was almost as incriminating as what was. Most of the content, including photos of him camping during his time in Moab, had been deleted on August 26, 2021. And at the same time, he had downloaded an encryption app with an encrypted email that investigators couldn't access due to all the time that had passed. His Google history and Facebook had also been deleted as well. And remember I said what wasn't there was almost as incriminating as what was? Strong emphasis on the almost because what was there was horrific. There were multiple memos and screenshots of some really racist stuff. Things that were so disgusting investigators wouldn't even release them and would only say that what was found showed extreme signs of racism and problems with anger. There were notes in his phone about the area where the murders occurred months prior to it happening. And just when you thought it couldn't get more demented, it does. Pinkaswitz was paranoid and was tracking license plate numbers and interactions he had with people and listing why he believed those people were threatening to him. And as far back as June 6, 2021, Pinkaswitz had been making notes in his phone about how he wanted to rape and kill people. Writing, I'm afraid I have an ongoing impulse in me to kill or rape people. And further, I overworked myself and that's caused me to feel bad and think negative, evil thoughts. And this doesn't define me or say who I am. And I can say it another way, redundantly, if I wish. I'm a free person. The shit stew of hate, racism, and pure evil that was found in Pinkaswit's phone was the exact opposite of the love and light in Crystal and Kylan. Investigators had found their murderer. They were sure of it. But he would never face justice, in this life at least. But the next? That was a different story. When asked how he felt about Pinkaswitz committing suicide, Kylan's father stated to ABC4 News, It means I don't have to face him. He's already been sentenced. He's already in hell and we're done. With that December 29th press conference, Kylan and Crystal's case was officially closed. But even with the case officially closed, many still question the motive. Was this a hate crime? Had Crystal and Kylan been targeted? Had Pinkaswitz finally acted out what he had clearly fantasized about for quite some time? Was it really about the issues he had working at McDonald's? No matter what you believe the motive was, each of them are just as terrifying as the next. Kylan and Crystal were just there existing, living their lives. Both women had been through serious trauma, but together they were happier than they'd ever been. 
getting to live a life some only ever dream of. They were kind and generous, free-spirited and so beautifully unique. Crystal Turner and Kylan Schulte will forever live on in the hearts of all who knew and loved them and those whose hearts were touched by their story. I'll leave you today with a clip of a song written and performed for the girls by Gigi Love titled Lullaby for Desert Girls. As always, you can find more information on this case or any of the others I've covered on my Instagram at least underscore of these or my Facebook page at least of these podcast. New episodes drop every Thursday. I'll be bringing you an all new case next week and I can't wait. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already so you don't miss it. You can finally get all your episodes ad free just the way you like them for just $2 a month. And as a member of Patreon, you'll be the first to be notified when new tiers will be launched with exclusive episodes and a few bonus surprises. Head on over to patreon.com slash least of these to support the show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other.